listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Susie Lolly here with the big cheese, Carol Whitaker, and we're um, teamed up tonight at the Daily Grind uh, coffee shop again. So they're closed down now, but if you hear any wonderful ambient coffee shop sounds, just get your local mug and join in with us. Um, But tonight we're talking about a topic that it kind of makes me laugh that this post is coming from Carol instead of me. Um, I just received a, someone looked my name up on Urban Dictionary and it said, loves the stage, loves attention, loves blah, blah, blah. And so Carol's topic tonight is about competition and ministry. And, you know, when you have your eyes on something, then somebody else gets it. And I just think she's a, I guess she's a quiet diva and I'm an out loud one. I don't know what the difference is, but Carol, tell us about um, the story that kind of got you thinking about this topic for tonight. So years ago, I, with my husband, we were going to a larger church campus and my husband had been telling me for some time that he liked, he loved our church, but he was tired of doing the 40 minute drive that we were doing and he wanted a church closer. And I, you know, kept on telling him every time he would bring up that conversation, I kept telling him, oh no, you know, I loved our church so much. I just couldn't bear to not go there anymore. Um, But shortly after we started having these conversations, they announced that they were going to be launching a new church campus in a high school that was literally right five minutes away from our house. And we really just felt like it was the Holy Spirit, you know, telling us to go ahead and, and be part of this church launch. So they needed volunteers to help with the actual launch of the church, just to help serve in different capacities. And they had different community events to promote it. So we were part of this launch team. Well, in the process of us launching into the community, we had a lot of other churches that came alongside of us and helped us and promoted us. But then there were other stories that weren't quite so great. In particular, we had one church that did call and they sort of had a competitive agenda. They were clearly sort of threatened by the idea of a church moving in and taking new members. And as I was writing this post, I just was so reminded of this story because so often in ministry settings, envy can abound and it sounds terrible, but I can personally attest to those feelings of watching someone else get the solo I want or watching someone else get promoted to those places I wanted to go. And it's in those places where I felt like God has forgotten me and it's difficult to celebrate with others when we haven't been given that position that we so want and desire or that God has promised to us. And so what I want to just talk about tonight is just when we're in that place where maybe God has promised something to us, it hasn't come true, that instead of being like the church that we're pulling someone else down who has the position we want or we're acting out in ways that are ugly that we can latch on to some truths in scripture and say okay what are some truths that we can rest in when we're in that place where someone else has what we want it can be a very painful place we can get very bitter we can want to turn away from god so what can we do instead and this kind of harkens back to the the episode we just did about competition and so uh, or comparison excuse me another c word and so i like that you know if you're a new listener of the podcast we're always you're going to hear common themes because we're it's the universal human experience. And so you're going to give us three truths that will help us to overcome, you know, in the time when we're feeling unsettled because someone else has gotten promoted. The first one you have is that promotion comes from the Lord. So tell us about that. So 
many times now I'm talking about this from an a, you know from the angle of talking about kind of competition in ministry and talking about you know for instance if someone else gets promoted to a, a position that you know you know you want in ministry but this can apply to a career setting yes women we have areas of competition that extend beyond the church yes. we can get competitive about everything I was just complimenting Susie on her vest you know I could sit there and say wow Susie looks cuter today than I do or women can be so ridiculous like this or maybe compare our houses the way we decorate or you know for instance feel jealous because maybe our friend's husband makes more money than our husband does or decorates better or whatever it is there can be so many areas but I'm focusing specifically on ministry um, even though it can apply to other areas but when we're not in the position that we think we should have I think the natural human tendency is to to want to demand our own way to want to force our way into what we believe that should be ours and sometimes we're in a place where God has really promised it to us and so we want to make situations and circumstances match the promise he's given us right but it's not necessarily in his timing which I'm going to talk about in the next post Psalm 75, 6 and 7, this has been a scripture that's really helped me. It says, no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down. He exalts another. One of the amazing, I think mind-blowing truths that I've had to grab onto in my own life is that it's God who exalts right. and elevates. And when we have that in mind, our first tendency when maybe we don't get the solo we want or maybe we've been promised you know by god we we know that he's told us a certain you know that we're going to maybe be a teacher of his word or something that maybe our first inclination is to try to make that happen but when it doesn't maybe we think we need to go demand our way maybe confront uh, someone in leadership who hasn't promoted us or you know do ugly things to <laughs> get ourselves noticed maybe you know like for instance in a singing ministry you're in choir you know maybe sing louder than everyone else or do things to just put yourself out there in ways that that are are not that great but first peter 5 6 says humble yourselves therefore under god's mighty hand that he may lift you up in mm -hmm. due time the message translation says so be content with who you are and don't put on airs god's strong hand is on you he'll promote you at the right time the step we really need to take is go and pray about it filter our concerns through prayer say god what's going on here You've promised me something that has not come true. Mm -hmm. What's going on? And listen for his guidance in the situation. Sometimes we do need to go have a conversation with someone, but we need to have it in a godly manner. I've heard, you know, friends of mine give me stories of they really wanted a specific teaching position. They went in a very humble way to the administration. They sat and had a conversation. They bathed that situation in prayer. Mm -hmm. And they very tactfully put in their request in a respectful way. That's so much different than barging in <laughs> and sort of demanding our way. So that's sort of the point is to have the perspective that those people have been put in leadership by God. And yes, there can be those unhealthy situations right. that people are abusing power, but in, in, in a healthy situation, we need to bathe that situation in prayer and realize that it's God who elevates. And isn't it crazy? We believe him when he makes the promise, but we don't believe him to be patient and wait for the promotion. So he is the one who promised us. He's the one who's going to promote us. Susie Lolly, this is a message for you. <laughs>
Um, you say, you know, you make another point here. You said the Lord has an appointed time for everything and his timing is often not our timing, you think? <laughs> so tell us about that. How can you encourage us with waiting on God's timing? Well, I'm going to use the example of Abraham and Sarah in the Bible. And I've used the example of Abraham and Sarah so many times in so many articles that people may think that I'm just a broken record and repeat myself. But I find so much encouragement in their story right. because they waited for so long. And if you've ever waited for something for a really long time, it can be very frustrating. And you, you know, our tendencies to get worried and hasty and try to make the promise come true but it only makes things worse. We cannot hap make happen in our lives what only God can make happen, period, the end. Only God can orchestrate supernaturally the right events to make happen what he has promised. We can try to force them to go our own way, but then what happens is we have an Ishmael and we have, and you know, Abraham and Sarah, they went outside of God's plan. They tried to make happen what he had promised and they had a real problem on their hands with a child they eventually had to send out of the house because there were just conflict that happened and those kind of conflicts happen when we attempt to make happen in our lives what only god can make happen i just want to remind us of a few um, verses here there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens and that's Ecclesiastes. Um, Blessed is he that waits. And that's Daniel 12, 12. And I want to just read to you this quote from Streams in the Deserts. It's my favorite devotional. But it says, It may seem an easy thing to wait, but it is one of the posture which a Christian soldier learns not without years of teaching. Marching and quick marching are much easier to God's warriors than standing still. So what it's saying is it's actually harder to wait sometimes right. than to rush in. That that's our natural you know, tendency to just rush in and make it happen. And it's even harder and takes more discipline to wait. And, um, you know, even the world knows. Sometimes the wisdom of God has filtered down to the world because we're all his creations. And, you know, the song, Only Fools Rush In. And so how many times we might be experts at rushing and doing and making it happen. But then, like you said, we've got to live with the ramifications of that. And that can be really... Um, a scary thing. I'm thinking of, um, I've been watching too much Once Upon a Time, but I'm thinking, not that I'm endorsing that show, but, um, you know, the Rumpelstiltskin story. They couldn't wait to have a child, so they went and stole a witch's cabbage or something. You know, that's obviously a fairy tale. But, um, you know, dealing with the consequences of knowing that they did it wrong and they had to be tormented by, you know, the, you know, I guess the eventual domino effect of everything that happened. But it's the same way with you know, in true life too, that if we go ahead of God, it's never going to be a good thing. He has our back. Um, like you said, it's his timetable, which seems very uncomfortable and long to us, but you know, he is not going to leave us. He's not going to let us down. So the last uh, point you wanted us to know here is, you know, when we're talking about resisting jealousy, resisting um, rushing ahead of God, resisting, you know, being envious when somebody gets something we thought we were promised. Getting to the promise is a process. So talk a little bit about that. Right. So I've mentioned this throughout the points that I've already talked about, sort of touched on it. But when we are promised something, we want it right away. Mm -hmm. But often God has refining and teaching work he plans to do before he allows us to have what is promised. I want to just give some examples from Scripture of some people who had to wait 
for what was promised. Israel had a whole lot of Egypt to leave behind when God led the Hebrew people out of Egypt. They spent 40 years in the wilderness learning to trust God and learning about God before God led them into the promised land. And I've read many commentaries on just this section of scripture and many you know scholars and so forth talk about how they had some Egypt that they had to have removed from them. Right. They had been influenced from living among the Egyptians and God had to teach them how to trust him and who he was and how to follow him before they were led into the promised land. Similarly, Paul, when he was called on the road to Damascus, after he was called to be a missionary for the gospel, he still had to go through an intense three-year period where he had to get to know Jesus and more about his mission because he didn't know Jesus. Right. He was thinking that he knew God and was doing the right thing, but he was actually persecuting Christians. So he had to have a total mind reset and there was a period of transformation that needed to happen in his life beyond just what happened on the road to Damascus. Joseph, I think of Joseph, he had this dream where his brothers bowed down to him. And, and maybe he, he shouldn't have shared that dream, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, that, that probably wasn't a whole lot of wisdom. That was, right. of course, before the prison boy, experience. Yes. So maybe, right. Yeah. So maybe he, yeah, he was just showing off a little bit, but... He shared a dream with his brothers about how they were going to bow down to him. And in actuality, was going to happen. But after he had that dream, he was sold by his brothers who hated him. He was falsely accused, thrown into prison, spent 12 years in prison before he rose to prominence as a leader in Egypt. And one last example, David, he was anointed as a king and then he went back to sheep tending mm -hmm. while somebody else was on the throne. I don't know, but whenever I read about that, I have to admire David, who really demonstrated a lot of self-control. When Saul was on the run after him, he could have thrown it in Saul's face and said things like, hey, I'm going to be the king because I was anointed. But he didn't. He simply waited for God's timing, and such a position demanded years of preparation and situations that would train him for the role. He didn't take down Saul during that time out of respect for Saul's position, even when given the chance, and he left it in God's hands. And just in my own life, as I've surveyed some of the difficulties, the conflict, and answering God's call, one of the things I've started to think about, and I think that God's brought about, because there have been so many difficulties, Susie, mm. particularly, and I talk about it a lot, but particularly just going into this journey of starting the blog that, that you helped me with, BeulahGirl.com, for those of you who don't know, and where this podcast is coming out of, that journey, things have just been unbelievably difficult. The health problems the last few years, the financial struggles, the opposition, the hardship, so many situations I've wondered why God has allowed them. And I've begun to see them in the light of God allows those circumstances many times, I believe, because it's kind of like military training training for your role and it's a building character like for instance my husband was in the marines and he had to go to paris island before he was ever allowed to patrol before he was ever, ever allowed to do the things he did as in the security force that he was assigned to he had to be he had to go through training and it's in those situations where 
we are prepared for what God has called us to. And there's definitely scripture that talks about that. You know, you you share a couple scriptures in here, but specifically 2 Timothy 2 and 4, which says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And so, you know, your point there about, um, you know, getting to the promise as a process we have a lot of people, We people talk about the millennials, and you and I are not millennials. We're a little bit past that, but we still can be impatient. And, um, you know, whatever circumstance God has promised us, it's not going to happen instantly. Or once we got there, our character would not be formed enough to keep us there. God loves us too much to let us fall on our faces by rushing us to his promise. And so um, I know in my life, I just keep telling myself that, Susie, you're not ready for what God has promised. That's why you're not there yet. It can be really hard. But I know that if I will get my stuff together with the help of God, obviously he's the one who works anything good in me, um, you know, that if I will allow him to get my stuff together is what I should say, then um, maybe he can move the process along a little bit. Um just, I want you to, to lead us in uh, a story that you shared about an amusement park and, you know, talk about how that gives us a lesson in being patient and waiting for God. Well, I use a lot of story because story is just something that sometimes when I don't understand a hard concept, sometimes just hearing a story helps me to just really grasp it. And I have heard so many great stories from my former pastor. We've moved now to a new area and we now attend another church and we have a fabulous pastor there as well but my former pastor was very much a pastor who was fond of sharing stories and would often repeat the same story so it was sort of like a comforting fatherly figure Uh, i live in georgia i live away from my family so i kind of looked to my former pastor and his wife as my you know adopted spiritual parents but he told this story one time and I may be getting some of the details wrong because it was a while ago that he shared it, but he shares a story of one time he went to Disneyland with his family. And at the time their kids were small, they have a son and a daughter and they were staying in the Disneyland park. I've never actually been there, so I'm not sure I'm getting all the details right, but they had to leave from the hotel, go to the actual gate, present their tickets, go through the gate. And for whatever reason, his wife and his kids went on ahead of him they got into the gate just fine with their tickets but when it came to his ticket they something was wrong with the scan code or something on it where he presented the ticket but they it didn't work and so he needed id but then he realized it was back in the hotel and so he had to go all the way back and get it and there was this huge you know debacle that happened with his ticket and he had the ticket it was purchased he was supposed to get in that park he could, you know, see his wife and kids on the other side, but he couldn't get through those gate, that gate for a while until they verified that his ticket was legitimate and that he had indeed purchased it. And he was explaining how oftentimes that's kind of like how it is with God's promises, that we have that ticket in our hand. We have his word that he's given us and said, this is going to happen for you. Mm-hmm. But it's like we're on the other side of the gate saying, wait, I'm supposed to be in there right. and I'm out here. And it just can feel like that sometimes. So I say that story because sometimes 
I think about that story and those situations in our life where we look at somebody else and they have the position that 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 God has promised that we will have someday. Maybe God has told us, like for instance, in my own life, um, God has told me I'm going to be using music. Well, I haven't been in music for three years. So it's painful for me to watch somebody else get on stage. It hurts because there's nothing I love as much as singing. And God has said, no, just not right now. You know, you're not gonna uh, be in music right now and I'll open up the right door. So sometimes it does feel like I'm standing on the other side of that gate with a ticket in my hand and I feel like a lunatic because I'm the only person that knows what God has said to me, right? And so it can be that that feeling. But when we see somebody else who's maybe promoted to the position that God has said, yeah, someday you're going to be in that position, it can be brutal. But we can cling to these promises which say, you know, God is going to promote us in the right time. He has an appointed time. And that there is a process by which we are going to go through but eventually get to what he has said. And so I, I just want to end by 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11, which says, Keep a cool head. This is the message. Stay alert. The de devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put t together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word, yes. He does. I love that. The message uh, we all, we obviously know is not a direct translation, but I love because it gets us excited about what God says again sometimes. And um, I want to pray for us as we conclude. And I just want to say um, it's a tough word, but it's a good word. Every time we hear wait or not now or don't be jealous or be humble or I'll lift you up when I'm ready. All of that is just it's a tough word, but we have a God who knows why and knows what and is not going to leave us hanging. So let's pray. God, we love you so much. We just thank you, Lord, for this timely word. Like I said, a painful word, um, but only painful because we're not good at waiting. We're your temporary creatures, and you know this life that we're living is just a vapor, and we sometimes forget that, and, and it seems eternal to us. Whatever we have to wait for just seems eternal. But I pray, God, that we would worship in the waiting, God. Um, I wrote a post about that uh, like a year ago or something. God, there's got to be more than just sitting here waiting and being angry and brooding, God. We need to worship you while we're waiting, God. We need to let you form the character in us, God, that you are trying to form. Maybe there's something in us that we are resistant to have change, and that's why the process is taking so long. Or maybe, God, you know, the world's not ready for what you want us to do. But whatever it is, God, we just need to be patient, but also not waste our time wallowing, God. But Work in us, God. I pray, Lord, that whatever situation someone who's listening is going through, God, or maybe it's a reader at the website, whatever they're going through right now, God, I just pray, Lord, that they would give it to you and resist the urge to take it back because you are a faithful Father and you will do it just in your time. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.